on this episode of Jeff Does Vegas. If I had to pick one city that we get more people asking about, um, you know, okay, because you can make a list of the, the most haunted cities in the U.S. and every single list will be different. You know, you got Gettysburg on there, you have Salem, of course, Charleston, and everyone is different for a different reason. But one that is specifically, uh, I guess you could say haunted, but also has that, okay, this is Sin City and everybody knows who these people are. It's not just, you know, nothing against a Civil War Confederate soldier, but people can actually these places are recognizable uh, nationwide, even worldwide. Las Vegas. It's more than just a city. It's a feeling. It's that feeling of excitement when you spot the lights of the strip out the airplane window. It's that feeling of awe as you stroll down the boulevard, taking in the sights and sounds. And it's that feeling of satisfaction knowing that you're in the greatest city in the world. Over 42 million people from around the world share that feeling every year. And I'm one of them. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff, and this is Jeff Does Vegas. Hey there, and welcome to a special bonus episode of Jeff Does Vegas. Before we get going for this episode of the podcast, I want to take a moment to thank my guest from the last episode, Dennis Blair. Dennis is a Vegas-based comedian and musician who, over the course of his almost 40-year-long career, has had the opportunity to work alongside some of the biggest names in comedy and music. We chatted about the time he spent with Rodney Dangerfield, touring with Joan Rivers, and the 18 years he spent as George Carlin's opening act both in Vegas and all across the United States. If you haven't listened as of yet, jump into the archives at jeffdoesvegas.com or search out episode number 131, my special guest, Dennis Blair, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, here we go. On to the show. For this bonus episode of the podcast, I've decided to take a deep dive into the archives. And being that it's Halloween, I thought it might be fun to reshare something spooky. And it all begins with a simple question. Do you believe in ghosts? With Las Vegas's somewhat shady past and tales of tragedy, it should come as no surprise that Sin City has more than its fair share of creepiness floating around. A quick Google search will reveal multiple spots both on and off the strip that are believed to be haunted by the spirits of the infamous, the famous, and the not-so-famous. Joseph Kruger is a project manager for U.S. Ghost Adventures, the company behind Las Vegas Ghost Tours. Way back on episode number 41 of the podcast, Joseph joined me to chat about some of the creepiest and strangest stories of Las Vegas spooks and specters. Which hotel was ravaged by a fire that killed 85 of its guests, some of whom haven't checked out yet? What resort is believed to be haunted by its infamous gangster former owner? And where in Vegas can you go to hang out with a murdered rap superstar? You're about to find out the answers to these questions and many more. Please enjoy this podcast flashback and my conversation with Joseph Kruger of Las Vegas Ghost Tours. We wanted to try something different, like you said, than uh, just the, the normal sightseeing stuff. And 
Uh, the more we researched, the more we found, okay, well, you know, not just that celebrities visit here, um, not just that, you know, you know, weird things happen, you know, what's, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but it, we just started finding all these stories, not at just one or two locations, but at so many different hotels, so many different popular attractions that people go to, uh, you know, gamble, to spend their vacations, to, to hang out. And we started, you know, noticing a trend of, um, not only, you know, do they have a lot of historical background behind them, but there's some really crazy stuff that happened, number one. And number two, because of that crazy stuff, now where we get all these reports of, okay, there's a, a lot of paranormal activity going, you know, in, in a lot of these places. So um, we try to focus on, of course, giving the history of the location so people know that, okay, this is a real thing. Like th- these things actually happen here. People died or committed suicide or, or murdered or, or whatever happened happen at that place and then we say all right we, we go with okay now what has that caused to happen at this specific location what what uh what are the what's the activity that people see is it you know just uh do they feel it do they see it do they hear it is it a combination of all of it so as we started doing all this research we thought hey we can put together a really good um a really good tour a ghost tour and a route where people can not just go to one location but go to multiple locations and hear the history some little bit of mystery and some really good uh uh, stories of ghost hidings and ghost hauntings and maybe uh, hopefully experience something for themselves. And let's talk about the guides on this tour. I mean, that's got to be one of the most fun gigs in Las Vegas. Yeah, definitely. We have a lot of people trying to, you know, it, it is definitely one of the tourism hubs of the country and of the world. So we have a lot of people trying to get in there, but we really um, try to focus on quality. So what we do is we uh, we have the script, you know, we have the stories that we've researched, with the interviews that we've done, and um, we have the route and we... Uh, you know, um, give them a trial period to learn this script, to go out there and walk the route, to actually be at the locations. And of course, um, uh, we only use uh, locals who have been there for a long time, who actually know a lot of these stories, um, who actually contribute to some of the scripts instead of the ghost sightings. Um, So uh, right now, Oh, we have a few guides uh, operating, especially during Halloween. But uh, one of our two best guides right now are uh, Kelly Lutzker and Danielle Atomic. And, you know, they go on these tours and people think, OK, you know what? They're going to be pointing at windows and saying, oh, you might see an orb or a flash of light. But they actually have to know uh, over 40 pages of material of the history, the background, the ghost sightings, and they make it, it's almost like a, it's almost like a Broadway performance and the people really, really get into it. And the guides are everything without the guides, we would have nothing. So they really love their job. And we have some really high retention because I mean, they're basically walking down the streets of Vegas every, every night, seven days a week, showing people their city. And of course that unique twist of, Hey, you, you might not know, but there's some crazier stuff that happens here than people think. You guys are not messing around with this stuff. You, this is not amateur hour by any stretch of the imagination, is it? No, not not at all. Like I said, we we've we've gone on to other tours and we've you know done research and we've checked places out. But th- that's what I think we try to set our tours apart is that the authenticity, the research, the interviews that we do, eyewitness accounts, and and if we ever get more information or or we hear of another sighting, we'll go and try to investigate it and see. Hey, is that something we want to add to our tour? Is that something that's uh, reliable? Because yeah, part of it is going to be subjective. You know, it's we have skeptics and we have believers and we ask that on the tour we say okay who here actually believes in ghosts who's actually um feels like they've actually had an experience and who are the skeptics and like okay well everybody it's your choice to decide for yourselves 
But we uh, a lot of times we we have people reach out and say, well, you'll never believe what happened on the tour. Or after I went on your tour, I went home and I found out that someone got murdered in my house. And this is so cool. And my house is haunted. I mean, people really get into this, whether they're believers or skeptics. That's so awesome. Um, let's talk a little bit about the tours. You guys do have two different types of tours, correct? That's correct. The basic one that we have and for Vegas, and we're going to be branching out some more, but the basic one we have is we just call call it the, a, a regular tour. Um, we go to up to eight, eight different locations in, in a small you know radius because it's a walking tour. And we have uh, headsets for people to listen to because Vegas is a loud city. Um, we go to several hotels, uh, uh, different uh, spots, and then we can go over those locations if you want. I can give you the list of locations. And then we have what's called an extended bonus tour where it's like an extension that you can add on for a few more locations. Now, what we like to throw in there as a twist is you can actually rent ghost equipment if you choose and we're starting a ghost hunt where basically so so on the regular tour people can rent an emf detector um they have an evp evp recorder they can you know try to catch stuff on audio which we can analyze later we of course encourage pictures we have our own uh you know camera we try to take pictures but we really try to get the guests involved but on the ghost hunt um, which we're developing right now which is in addition to the regular and extended tour everybody gets an emf detector um we have the evp recording and we have what's called a spirit box a lot of people might not have heard of it but basically it scans uh, radio frequencies and when there's a connection made um basically it stops on that radio station after you ask certain questions and it gives a response and you know you can't control it but a lot of it is clear uh for example you might say okay did someone die here recently and you'll it'll be buzzing through the radio stations and stop and say yes 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 over and over how many people three 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 or what's even creepier is when you say okay um are you are you okay with us communicating with you guys with you here tonight? No, leave, leave, leave. So whether <laughs> you believe it or not, it's some some really strange stuff happens. So here's a question that I I'll I'll just toss in as my own little follow up to that. Do you guys provide spare pairs of pants for people? Because I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you, if I was standing there and that happened, I'd be I, instant poop right there. That's how that's happening. You know, we've joked about you know honestly, that's a funny question because we've joked about you know having like a bag of diapers as, as a joke <laughs> and say okay for anyone you know who does that or I'm I've actually uh you know done uh, tours I'm a tour licensed tour guy myself so I've uh you know, done a tours in different cities and I'll say, okay, just so you guys know, we usually lose about one or two people by the end of the tour, but no worries. Sometimes they turn up, but I stopped making that joke because people would take me seriously. <laughs> and so we, we, we want to give them a shocking, spooky, creepy experience, but we don't want to scare them completely, you know, so they leave the tour and never come back, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, now, you guys, you mentioned uh, touring around eight locations, and we'll get into some of those a little bit later on and some of the details. But I guess the sure. question that, that I, I, I would like to ask here is, do you guys ever get any kind of pushback from the properties that you go to or the places you go to? I mean, if you're going into a specific hotel and touring through a group of people and going, this place is haunted and people died here and da, 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 da. Do, do any of these places get a little, you know, maybe you shouldn't be here uh, kind of thing with you guys? Yeah, abs absolutely. And, and the good thing about Vegas is that it, people want to make money. These hotels want to make money. And if there's a way we can spin it into it's an attraction. For example, when they started doing nuclear testing um, back in the uh, 30s and 40s, uh, people thought Vegas was going to completely shut down. 
and no one was going to come back. And instead, the tourism industry said, hey, guess what? Let's go ahead and market this as you'll never believe they actually, you know, tested nuclear bombs here and come see the site of, you know, the first A-bomb that blew up and see the ghost towns that they built for these, et cetera, et cetera. So, yes, we'll have some places that when we tell people what happened there and we'll say, oh, are you actually staying at the hotel? Oh, maybe you want to switch. Obviously, they're not going to like that. But for the most part, um, you know, it brings people into their business to at, at the bars and the hotel lobby to drink before or after the tour. Um, people, I'd say a good majority of people actually find it more interesting rather than scary. And it's also almost makes them think, OK, now Vegas just became that much cooler. But, yes, we do have, uh, you know, some relationships that we, you know, we can't, we can't actually go all the way into the buildings all the way where we want to go or the hotels or that kind of stuff because of that. And that's just, you know, they, they don't want to lose business. They don't want to have a really bad, uh, bad reputation. But, but if you, the, the whole point of this is that we're teaching people the history of these locations. And, you know, once we convince the, the owners or that, it's just, Hey, these people are going to find this out on their own anyway. And honestly, Good publicity is publicity, good or bad. That, I mean, that's that's what I've I've, I've been uh, uh, accustomed to in marketing. You know, if you can get someone to pay attention, you can spin it your way. Have you ever had any uh, celebrities join you guys on your tours? So now that that I that's that's a good question. We've we've only been in op- operation a couple of years, and as far as I know, we haven't had any big celebrities. Um, we've had a few comedians that are not well known that might that might stop by, or people that are, are local to Vegas. So the only celebrities that I can say that join us on our tours are actually the the dead ones, the ones that are haunting some of these locations. And when I say that, I say that in all seriousness because. Um, we've had not just tour, tour guides, but tourists or even locals, you know, say, oh, oh my gosh, you know, I, I definitely just saw Bugsy Siegel, exactly how he's described in the story or how he is in history. Or, um, hey, uh, that's crazy, but I swore I just saw someone who looked exactly like Tupac wandering around on a tour with you. And, you know, some people might be making it up, but when it happens over and over again at some of these locations, that's what draws people to these ghost tours is that most of these places are celebrities that have died there or people who founded the hotels or that kind of stuff. So I hope I'm crossing my fingers that we can get it out there. We'll have, you know, some people, but Hey, you never know. A lot of times celebrities dress up in disguise. We might've had one on our tour and not known it, you know, for some reason, I feel like the dead celebrities are cooler than the living ones. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. You know, someone, you know, with a, a scarf and glasses, you know, who, you know, might, you know, might not even tell us that they're there versus someone who's like, Okay, you can definitely tell that this person is maybe not where they belong. I think I'd rather have a dead celebrity on a ghost tour than a live one, but I'll take either one, honestly. That's so cool. Well, Joseph, I do want to talk about the uh, some of the locations that you guys visit and some of the the specifically haunted spots in Las Vegas. I mean, Vegas has this, you know, the reputation of of Sin City pretty much, you know, forever and of course with the mob and some of the the shady goings ons you know there's it's pretty ripe for haunting isn't it 100 percent. if i had to pick one city that we get more people asking about um you know okay because you can make a list of the, the most haunted cities in the u.s and every single list will be different you know you got gettysburg on there you have salem of course charleston and everyone is different for a different reason but one that is specifically uh, I guess you could say haunted, but also has that, okay, this is Sin City and 
everybody knows who these people are. It's not just, you know, nothing against a Civil War Confederate soldier, but people can actually these places are recognizable uh, nationwide, even worldwide. So when people, you know, know the, the hotels and locations, but then in there, they're like, OK, like I said, it just takes it to another level. Well, let's talk about some of these specific spots in in Las Vegas. I, I, I've got a list of, of ones that I kind of want to go over. And let's start with uh, one of my favorite hotels on the Vegas Strip. I'm a regular there. I stay there on a pretty regular basis. Now I'm questioning that decision. Let's talk about Bally's. Oh, Bally's. Okay. So, so can I ask you a question? Is there a reason why that's one of your favorite places? I've always been a fan of the location. It's, you know, right in mid strip, dead center, all the action, close right. to everything. Always get reasonable rates, but I'm starting to think maybe there's a reason I'm getting those reasonable rates. Oh, right. Right. Well, you know, there might be, there really might be what we like to talk about Bally's Las Vegas is almost like an old Vegas charm with uh, modern amenities, you know? So of course it's right there on the strip. It's dead center. Um, you know, it used to be uh, where the MGN Grand Hotel uh, stood and, you know, whether you know the history or not, um, it's definitely an iconic spot. But once you hear not just what, what happened at, the, at this location, but the fact that um, they still use, of course, like the same uh, area to house guests and they still bring people through the same places where many, many people died. Um, like you said, it can either, you know, make you get some cut rate, uh, you know, cut rate amenities and, and rooms, <laughs> or it could just drive everyone away depending on who you are. So um, I don't know if you know what the biggest thing that happened in it. And it's not just in, in Las Vegas, but many people say in Nevada's history is the, um, the fire of uh, 1980. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, if you've stayed there in Las Vegas and you've been there, um, you know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people know a little bit of the story. Um, but basically, you know, it's November of 1980, uh, fire breaks out and it engulfs the entire hotels, towers and casino. And it injured 700 guests, employees and firefighters, but actually killed over 80 people, 87 to be exact. And what's sad is is that, you know, when we're doing our research that the MGM, the original MGM, they they decided not to install a fire fire alarm system that probably would have saved a lot of those people. Um, so you have 87 people whose lives were worth about 192000 that the system would have cost. And, of course, for Vegas, you know, that's not a huge number. Uh-huh. You know, so it's sad, but the, the tower, one of the original uh, towers – um, is where that still operates today. And 61 of the 87 deaths actually occurred there. And that's where most of the hauntings actually take place. And when you go on the tour, you know, whether you believe the stuff or not, and, you know, whether you uh, think that these deaths and and these supposed hauntings actually make a difference, once you start hearing, you know, hearing the story, it actually, people actually exhibit, start exhibiting something, the symptoms that we talk about. So for example, you know, yes, when I start the tour, I ask people again, hey, not just did you have experience, but how did you make you feel? Some people were like, oh, I was visited by my grandfather and it was nice. Most people are like, I got the chills. I saw an old lady sitting in the rocking chair or, you know, a mirror fell and broke and I just like got nauseous. And this place at Bally's is where people actually tend to get uh, get those those negative feelings um, while they're on the ghost tour. And that might sound bad, but I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons why they're on there. They want to experience something. And those negative feelings would make sense there, considering it's not like, you know, your grandpa peacefully passing away in his bed in his sleep. It's that's, you know, 87 people dying in sheer terror. 
Yeah, sheer, sheer terror, not just, you know, and it's not just, you know, I, I don't know if I could choose between, you know, burning alive or suffocating, but 85 of those people died from smoke inhalation and carbon monoxide uh, poisoning in the stairwell. So, you know, I don't like to make, you know, like like 9-11 references or anything like that. But the point is, if you're if you're being serious and you're trying to empathize and we try to put our guests in the shoes of either people who have seen the hauntings or even the victims themselves so they can kind of connect to them while they're at that location. Imagine you're in a stairwell. You can't get out of these locked doors uh, to the roof or the ground floor, and you're just sitting up there in that stairwell, and, and basically you, you suffocate. So when we're telling these stories, um, one specifically, there was a seven-year-old boy who was separated from his mother on the 17th floor, and he died um, due to smoke inhalation. And that's one of the places on the 17th floor where uh, guests, you know, they report hearing a young boy calling for his mother over and over and over again. They he actually hear uh, multiple, especially people who are sensitive to what they call it, clairaudience, which is they're sensitive to noises that might be paranormal. They hear ma- multiple people screaming. And when we start telling this, they start, some people start getting short of breath. They start thinking, okay, you know, this is getting intense. And when we get into the story of the Browning family, um, who was on a vacation at Bally's during a, a, a spring of 2007, um, then this is their words from their interview. Uh, they rented a, a suite on the 21st floor. And their 11-year-old daughter, Emily, had a, her private room. And you, and you can still go see this room there where, where this happened. So they went traveling all day, and, and uh, they finally went to bed really quickly. Everyone who's on vacation knows sometimes you just get pooped and you pass out. Well, they woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and they heard they didn't even hear screams coming from the next uh, room. They heard it was almost like muffled cries. And when they went in there, their daughter, Emily, was, was literally hyperventilating and, and couldn't breathe in her bed. And she just kept saying, I need air, I need air. Um, They had never heard her talk like that before. She wasn't choking on anything. And when they finally took her into the hallway, and not just on the floor, actually in the elevator up to the roof away from that floor, um, uh, the 21st floor, that's when she all of a sudden was able to breathe. And, you know, some people might say, okay, this is a uh, this is, you know, uh, maybe she had asthma or, you know, maybe she just couldn't breathe. But it's the same things that people report when they're talking about suffocating from smoke inhalation, carbon monoxide poisoning. And it's happened multiple times. And we're showing people this and we're talking about this story. I've actually had guests who actually have to sit down or, you know, they have to get a paper bag because they actually start hyperventilating. And we don't know if it's because of the location that we're at or because it's the way we're telling the story, or if it's something unexplainable. And it's really interesting, but also creepy to have that stuff happen. And we've actually had some people faint. Everyone's been okay, but we have people faint in some of these locations where the feelings just get so intense, they get overwhelming. Man, alive. I'm getting freaked out. I'm sitting in my basement at home in Calgary, and I'm getting freaked out on this. And I think I'm striking Bally's off of my list of places to stay. Uh, Especially not the upper floors. Definitely not the upper floors. Is it a specific tower at Bally's? Is it the Jubilee Tower? Um, honestly, it, we, we try to go to both the two different ones. Um, but if the Jubilee tower is the one that 
um, is still used. That was actually still has part of the construction of when the um, when the actually fire took place. It didn't completely destroy, um, you know, the tower and casino. Obviously, they rebuilt it, but it's definitely that tower where, like I said, uh, sixty one out of these eighty seven people died. And you know, a lot of times people think. You know, they ask, okay, why is this specific place haunted? Oh, okay, yeah, it's got history. Yes, people died there, but usually it's almost tied to the way they died. And the way they died is almost always tragic, whether it's an accident, a fire, someone got murdered, um, uh, some kind of love betrayal, some kind of rampage. Everything is very specific, and it's the emotions that those people felt while they were there that we believe really tie those uh, that paranormal activity to that specific location. So I, I want to I want to talk to an, uh, about another place in Vegas that's got a haunting. And it's also, again, another one of my favorite places to say um, the Flamingo. Same reason. You know, I get good rates there. It's a great location. It's a great property. The people are amazing. But of course, the Flamingo, anybody that knows the 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 way back history of the Flamingo, it's got some shady ties in the background. Yes, most definitely. And, you know, I feel like Flamingo, the Flamingo is one of the, uh, like Bally's is iconic, but Flamingo is the one where people think, you know, okay, you know, this is like, like hardcore Vegas, you know, this is mobster, this is, you know, so they think when they go there, all right, all right you know what, this just has some really creepy stories of stuff that actually happened because everybody, you know, no one's going to under, underestimate the, you know, the history of the mob. Um, but, you know, when they hear the name Bugsy Siegel and they uh, talk about the Flamingo, it's like easily one of the, the guest favorite places. And honestly, even after telling the story, you know, and, and you find out what happened there, people, this is one of those places that people actually uh, love it even more, you know, because of, uh, like I said, the Italian mafia and, you know, Murder Incorporated and all the history that he had with uh, Virginia Hill, who he, you know, ended up naming the Flamingo after. And you have this relationship between Bugsy and, and Virginia that is, is, it's like fire and ice, you know, not to be cliche, but, you know, they have some really good times and then they have some horrible times, you know, people witness them like fighting all the time, this horrible, uh, and, and also because this is one of the cases where you have a female who actually had a high ranking in the mob. It wasn't just some guy and his girlfriend. It was two uh, cutthroat, cold-hearted people who fell in love with each other, but, you know, ended ended tragically. Um, and uh, honestly, Virginia really thought that it was a bad influence. The Flamingo was a bad influence on Bugsy. Like, she said he was a completely different person when he wasn't there. So maybe you already have, even back then, this location that is is making people do things that they wouldn't normally do or pushing them a little bit over the edge. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's interesting, too. I mean, the Flamingo... They don't necessarily, you know, really go out of their way to promote the the mob history. Right. I mean, other than they've got I think they still have Bugsy's showroom in there. And then there's a very small little, um, you know, dedicated to the memory of Bugsy Siegel plaque in the in the gardens. But that's really it. They don't like I say, they don't necessarily go out of their way to to really promote that mob connection. And and I guess part of that is that the, the story is Bugsy Siegel still haunts the Flamingo. Yes, 100%. And, you know, like I said, if it was, you know, and I'm not an owner, you know, I don't own a hotel, obviously. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I wouldn't still be doing tours if I if I did own a hotel. But, you know, I don't uh, I don't own a hotel. But if I did, I think I would milk it because you have this iconic mobster. Yes, he still haunts the place. But all, every single person who goes on the tour doesn't just want to hear the stories. They want to 
they want to see something. They want to say, oh, hey, you know, when they get home, guess who I saw? I saw Bugsy he, uh, Siegel at the Flamingo. It was crazy. Or I thought I saw him or I, I heard him, you know, and, uh, you know, they want to talk about that. So I'm surprised that they don't have their own specific tour because a lot of these, a lot of locations in different cities, they will like, hey, this place is haunted. We're going to do our own specific tour. And those are some really good tours that go into, you know, uh, uh, one specific location in and out and focus all their entire story on that location. Very, very cool stuff. I, I, I love this kind of stuff. It's so fun to hear. Um, another location as well. And this one has got a, a quite a, an interesting history in that a lot of people think it's cursed just period because of what it is. I'm talking about the Luxor. And of course, there's all kinds of rumors about the fact that it's cursed because it's built facing the wrong way. And, right. you know, all these strange things that happen, you know, during during construction. I mean, there were people that were actually killed during the construction. And then, of course, there's all these weird accidents and suicides and, you know, people throwing themselves off of the the balconies inside and all this kind of weird stuff. Like the Luxor is, you know, it's one of those places where I walk in there and I, I again, I love the place, but I walk in. And there's just sort of this weird feeling that overcomes you when you walk in there. Yeah. You know what, what some people call it. Um, and, you know, when, when they go into, you know, the dark pyramid of Vegas, you know, the Luxor, they, they call it uh, a chaotic energy or almost an energy that is is literally, literally supernatural that makes you not just uneasy, but almost you feel like. Some people say you almost like entered another dimension, you know, not like huge, like you just travel through space, but almost like you just stepped into a place that is a little bit on a different level than what we experience, you know, day by day. And anything called the dark pyramid, I mean, you know, people, some people say it's cursed because it, it even goes back to like, you know, Egyptian cult, you know, that kind of stuff. And then the Sphinx. But if you look at all the stuff that's happened there, like you said, you know, fights, terrorism, disease outbreaks, um, anything that can happen and will happen seems like it, it has happened at the Luxor. And I mean, it was, a, it, you know, it was a gorgeous, I think it was a gorgeous uh, uh, idea. Um, you know, they 30, you know, 30 stories, um, almost, almost the size of the Great Pyramid in Giza. It's actually three quarters of the size of that. And that was its inspiration. And uh, the light beam is one of the strongest in the world, even visible to pilots, you know, and everyone who stays there, you know, they can get this history um, from, uh, from, from that. But like you said, when they were uh, when they were doing the construction, um, you know, they wanted to keep low costs. Um, William Bennett, the CEO of Circus Circus, is actually the one Circus Circus is actually the one that, that built um, the lobster. And uh, he just, you know, wanted to cut costs and construction wasn't com- even complete. But uh, some guests were staying in the room and then during the construction, you know, they, they were trying to meet this deadline. And, you know, they're not sure if it's just uh just, you know, the, the construction workers or because the, the cut costs, but you have all these accidents that happen and people dying, the workers, even some guests are reported uh, being died and uh, having died. And those are the people that uh, uh, guests re, uh, report seeing more than anything. Well, and there's been weird stories, too. I mean, I've I've heard weird stories of the Luxor about isn't there a story about a, a woman that fell off of one of the um, the the high levels into it was and I don't mean to laugh because there's nothing funny about this, right. but she fell into a buffet area. Yes, yes. I, I believe you're referring to um, uh, let's uh, I actually don't even know if we have her name, but it was in 1996 and it was the 26th story of the hotel. And uh, the only, I guess you could say, good thing about it is, yes, she fell 
and immediately fell into, you know, in, into this area where there's all these other guests. There's this buffet happening right there. So it was completely visible, you know, scared the crap out of everybody. People were like, what, did she jump? Was it suicide? And, you know, the only good thing about it is, is that um, I think it was uh, Clark County's, I think it was a uh, Sergeant Bill Keaton said the only good thing about it was is that it was over quickly for the woman. But it wasn't over quickly for anyone else. And a lot of the stuff that happened at these locations has been witnessed by several people. You have this giant fire, you know, at, at Bally's, you know, you have this woman, you know, falling to her death on the 26th floor right in front of a woman into a, into a buffet. And, you know, no one knows what uh, what, what happened. Some people say she was a sex worker um, who got HIV, so she killed herself. Um, other people just believe that uh, she was there by herself and lost all her money. But she's not the only one. There's actually been multiple people have fa- fa- fallen to their death and they just they 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 don't they rule them a suicide because they just don't know, you know. And, and again, I wonder, you know, that that comes back to the discussion about the, you know, the Luxor itself being cursed. I mean, at one point and maybe I'm making this up in my own head because it sounds like a cool story. But at right. one point, did they not have Egyptian artifacts in the Luxor? And there's always a little bit of, you know, craziness surrounding the, the, the whole Egyptian artifact thing and whether or not, you know, some of those things are cursed in and of themselves. Well, and see, the thing about that is, is uh, it's reported Right, that they imported ancient Egyptian artifacts from uh, from uh, its King Tut replica display. So e- even though uh, they wanted to keep it under wraps because you know this is cultural stuff, and that, you know, are they really going to use it to promote a hotel um, and uh, put a sphinx in front, um, all that? So a lot of this stuff was replicas, but but it's per- I have it on pretty good authority that. They uh, imported some of them were actually um, original stuff. They just didn't want it to be well known. They wanted to have it in there to have it, you know, maybe a rumor of it and have people think, oh, wow, this is really, you know, good looking Egyptian stuff with this Egyptian theme. And so, of course, that's why. I mean, you can go back and talk about all the people again, but dying and what happened there. But go, going back thousands of years to all the things that might have happened during Egyptian history, one hundred percent, we believe that some of the stuff there was imported, and uh, that it, it, that and the shape of the pyramid, um, mystical properties, um, a dark energy. It kind of, for whatever reason, it makes me think of Stargate for some reason, even though that wasn't just Egyptians. But you have all this stuff. You bring all this stuff here for promotional purposes and you don't respect um, you don't respect the actual artifacts that came from this, these historical places. Um, and a lot of times that's what happens with evil spirits, you know, uh, who knows who owned those artifacts, who knows if they, if they got it from someone's tomb. Um, some people even uh, uh, report that um, part of the property is built uh, up on top of a graveyard. Um, and, you know, we can't uh, verify that, but, it's still operational and it's still successful and people still go there, which is, you know, interesting in itself. And like I said, iconic of Vegas. And I, and I feel to a certain degree, too, that Luxor is they're, they're tempting fate with their stuff because they they, of course, are also the home of the Titanic exhibit, which I mean, I've been through a couple of times and it's very, very cool. But I mean, that's again, you know, you're you're tempting fate with with, you know, potentially the spirits of people who died under, you know, not so great circumstances. Absolutely. And especially when it's, you know, places are haunted that have a single person die or, you know, one person commits suicide. And, you know, we'll talk about some of that stuff uh, farther on. But when you get into, 
huge groups of like a whole culture, um, like Native Americans, some areas, in this case, Egyptians. And then you take and you add that, like you said, to the Titanic exhibit. I mean, one of the most, you know, worst, uh, worst events in American history. Um, add that to that. And then you add that it might be a burial ground on top of uh, mobsters victims. And then you add, you know, the whole way that they build the pyramid and they bring the artifacts in there. And then you add, you know, all the people who have died. It's almost like they're trying to create this big giant pile that is just waiting to explode. And I mean, ironically, there was actually even a bomb that uh, broke out, uh, uh, not broke out, it was a homemade bomb in a coffee cup that uh, a Luxor food employee had placed on uh, on top of uh, his car and he picked it up and it, it blew up. There was a homemade bomb in it and he actually died from, from the shrapnel. So, you know, they, they found those men later, but it's one of the few places where multiple uh, deaths happen in many different ways and you add all the spiritual nature to that and it's probably I would say the one place that I would not want to be for, for too long out of all the all the locations we talked about I've seen the movie Poltergeist I know how this is turning out <laughs> exactly yep, yep. Yes, definitely some uh, some foretelling in this for the future for the Luxor. So, and you know what? That's going to be on them when something else happens. Coming up, which former casino owner was rumored to have idolized a World War II dictator? And which casino hotel has a history of tragedy despite its lighthearted theme? Find out next on Jeff Does Vegas. Now, another place that I want to talk about, and this place is already nightmarish enough for me for numerous reasons, because, again, clowns freak me the hell right out. Uh, and, and, of course, on their marquee out front, there's a giant creepy clown. Uh, I'm talking about Circus Circus. And there's something about room one, two, three in Circus Circus. Right. And, and you know, and like I said, I mean, like we were talking about before, Circus Circus was like a, a, a corporation that built several different locations. Um, but the one, you know, that obviously we're talking about right now is the Circus Circus Las Vegas. And what's what's funny is that they describe it as a unique family friendly hotel casino. And then you get there and I don't know how many people would. I mean, yes, people have clowns at birthday parties. Um, people, uh, you know, like uh, a lot of people do like clowns. It just makes me think of it, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's that simple. And the guy who designed it was uh, Jay Samo. He was um, the one who just six years before actually had uh, conceived Caesar's Palace, um, which was a huge creation and people, you know, very successful and very iconic. Um, and it's one of the first places that I had seen at that time. But when Circus Circus came around, it was unmistakably the most popular one because of the theme, of course. And so I think, you know, that's where they like to put that clown in there because they're talking about the circus. But just like kind of like the Luxor, I feel like, you know, it's not just from from uh, haunted movies, you know, like it or, you know, and Stephen King and that kind of stuff. But, you know, stuff actually has happened there. And what's sad is, is that um, Jay, Jay Samo, the guy who uh, actually designed it, um, you know, he fell in a bunch of debt because he, he didn't do something really simple was which was design an actual hotel with the circus and the gambling. So, um, you know, a- after all that, he sunk himself into debt and, uh, you know, he ended up uh, being investigated because he had to borrow money from organized crime and investigated for tax fraud. Um, but there's so many people a- after that 
that have said that uh, people have fallen from windows, um, that uh, people, uh, one woman was in uh, room 23, shot her little boy and herself for, for no, no reason. And that's what's so weird about this place. Certain places you have maybe a floor that is haunted. Um, you have maybe a couple rooms that something actually happened into. Well, for some reason at, at Circus Circus, it's multiple rooms on multiple floors. And it's almost like there's no logic to what happened there. It's not like there's even an energy. It's just that it's like, it's like, it's like the circus. It just, what happens just randomly happens on um, uh, room 123 is said to be haunted by the little boy um, and their mother searching for the, their boy's father. Um, there's also, they say a guy named Robert um, who stays there and uh, who automatically, all, I mean, all of a sudden randomly appears hanging from the ceiling. Jesus. We don't have any direct uh, evidence of that. It's just reports. Another one is in room 203 where, um, People speak of like voices that kind of echo um, into the room and uh, calling for help. And it starts out in this whisper. And if you don't respond, it gets louder and louder and louder. And all of a sudden just eventually turns into a blood curdling uh, scream. And whether or not you believe these things that are, are happening in these rooms, they've actually made people who have either witnessed them or said they happened leave. So that whole reputation you're talking about as this is one of the places where it really affects um it affects uh, an actual location where you know they want people to think it's family friendly but then they have a story from uh, a 20 year old employee that a 20 year employee that said three people were killed in the kitchen all in one night even though there's no hauntings with that what how does that happen i mean you go to your local restaurant you know a 99 out of 100 nothing interesting happens maybe more than a grease fire or someone gets food poisoning or right. you know someone refuses to pay a tip and then you, you have a room 230 and 576 that, that people are said to uh, people say that there's paranormal activity. Some people think maybe it's pranksters. Other people think that maybe it's just because the hotel has its annual Halloween extravaganza. So Circus Circus doesn't shy away from a lot of these stories. You know, they really embrace it at being that whole circus theme. But I, I don't see how they can promote the whole family friendly thing when Basically, any room you go to on any floor, something crazy might happen. And Circus Circus has been in the news recently, too, for a couple of of incidents that they've had happen. Uh, it was there. There was somebody just recently that was murdered there. That was a, it was kind of a robbery gone wrong as opposed to robberies going right. But a robbery right, gone right. wrong kind of situation, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and you know. You know, of course, they probably uh, they might want to keep some of that stuff under wraps, you know, but when you have uh, it's it's a it's a hotel, it's a casino. And there's actually many locations that have had that happen, uh, you know, recently. But when you already have a reputation like Circus Circus does and then, uh, you know, this guy shows up, you know, he tries, tries to rob the place. And then, uh, you know, like you said, robbery gone wrong and someone dies, um, you know it makes people think just that much more of, okay, there's some kind of energy there. That's not just making people die weirdly or having paranormal activity, but actually actually makes people do things that they don't want to do, you know, and there's other locations that we can get into and, and talk about that where, you know, people are fine, you know, once they, before they check into the hotel and when they get into the hotel, they turn into a completely different person. And that to me, there's no other description for, weird or chaotic or dark energy than that. 
Well, what are some of those other locations then? Let's let's get into that right now here before we go to a, another separate location altogether. But what are some of those other spots where where you've heard reports of that where people oh, it's almost kind of like, uh, you know, diving into the Stephen King world again, the shining, you know, all all work, no play makes Jack a dull boy. Um, <laughs> it's it's it, it's almost kind of like that where people would just become a totally different person. What are some of those other spots? Yes, definitely. And, you know, I was hoping we get to those because you can go, you know, like I said, you can go on, on a tour, even our tour and hit all these different locations, but you have to do it at least two or three times. And even then, um, you know, you're not going to get to all the places where all the crazy stuff um, happens in Vegas because there's just there's just so much. And um, one of those, uh, you know, one of those places is, is uh, Hera's. Um, and it opened at the, as a holiday casino in 1973 and then was turned into Harris in 1992. And um, the owner, Shelby Williams, actually died at 66 from, from an aneurysm six months before the construction was finished. So uh, for, like, for decades now, people report, especially the hotel staff, seeing this old man walk in the lobby and he starts wandering around the main level. And he's like looking at little, you know, little things of the design and construction. He's got a notepad and they say, okay, they're like, sir, how can we help you? And he's like, I'm just glad to see it finished. And it's like, okay, all right. So they try to leave him alone. He walks around, can I help you, sir? Uh, I'm just glad to see it, it's finished. And whenever people get close to him, light bulbs flicker, um, you know, people become like completely frightened. They've had found hotel staff, like kind of cowering, um, you know, behind uh, uh, like uh, dressers and desks. And the, the room just completely turns dark and un- uninviting. But they always look up to see this 60 year old uh, man standing there with his notepad. And whenever he came in, the lights would go out. And it was almost like this completely different energy was there, even though he seemed happy that the hotel was finished. It's almost like he wishes he was there, if that makes sense. And, you know, it's it, there's a lot of, of, of places. And this sorry, this is also one of the locations where you have like a, a random tourist um, who uh, was uh, on her vacation uh, for her birthday in Las Vegas. And she's just sitting at the casino um, uh, gambling, you know, doing her thing in casino and all of a sudden, there's one of these robberies gone, uh, you know, gone wrong. And a security guard pulls his gun, um, Frank Willis, and he spots the two, two thieves. They start shooting each other. And this random woman, Heather, who uh, they called, they, everybody loved her so much, they called her the Maui Rainbow, was randomly just hit in the head while she was gambling um, about 40 feet away. And what's what's unique about this is that when anyone ever goes to that area, even if they don't know what happened to her and what happened to Heather. Um, They sit at any of those uh, slot machines. They try to play. All of a sudden they become very, very uh, anxious. Their anxiety level goes up. They start looking around. They start getting very paranoid. And it's almost like uh, her, her uh, ghost is there making people trying to warn them that, Hey, you know what? Something might not, might, might not happen to you right now, but if I had been a little more paranoid or if I had felt these, uh, you know, these feelings, then, um, then I, I might have done something about it and something might happen to you because it's Vegas and it's because it's Harris. Now, the most interesting one as far as the energy one is, is 
is the Cromwell. And I don't know if you've ever been over to the Cromwell um, on the Strip. Numerous times. It's been terrible to me at the slot machines. I, I, that explains why it's cursed to me. Well, well I mean, there you go. It's, <laughs> it's not just bad luck, but it's almost it's almost ill will. And, uh, you know, a lot of people thought it was June from the start. Um, you know, people were protesting it um, um, because uh, the, the owner, it's named after Oliver Cromwell, um, who was responsible in the 1640s for the deaths of thousands of Irish Catholics. Um, and so a lot of people, you know, the people protested, people still protest to this day. And it also sits in a foundation where a lot of hotels tried to make an impression and every single one of them went bankrupt and closed after a few years. So bad luck right there. There's your bad luck of the slot machines. Um, but every single time it happens, when it changes management, people say it just feels grimmer and more solemn. Um, they said that they used to feel peace and relaxation. Now they leave feeling tired, anxious, depressed, and suicidal. And one guy that uh, uh, was able to be interviewed, Andrew Murphy, had the worst uh, story about that out of anything I've ever heard. So basically, he uh, goes to check in. He he was working his butt off. He was stressed out, and he's like, you know what? Um, I uh, you know I need a week off. So he gets a week off. He goes to check into the uh, to the hotel. And he had just won, uh, you know, won some money at a different ca- casino. And he, uh, and he, this is his exact words. I remember arriving at the hotel in a very cheery mood. I had a stressful job at the time, so a chance to enjoy some R&R had me in high spirits. The moment the bellboy opened the door to my room, I stepped in, and that's when I felt it. It washed over me like a wave. The misery, the blackness, my stomach started to hurt. I went over and just sat on the couch for hours, even though I had all these activities planned. Nothing seemed uh, fun. What was the point in going out? I don't want anyone to see me. And so then basically, uh, he just ordered room service for almost the entire time. And then it became like a cycle. He was angry at himself for ruining his vacation. And he was lethargic. He didn't even leave the uh, casino, for, I mean, the hotel for the last three days. And it followed him to back when he returned home after he checked out. And he missed work. He almost lost his job. He couldn't get out of bed. He said the dark gray cloud followed him everywhere. It was like a curse. And uh, after three months, he finally started feeling better. And he doesn't understand why or how, but his exact words were, I know I will never go back to that hotel again, maybe not even Vegas. And employees who work there, they have a really low retention rate because employees, they don't hold the job. They said it's not demanding more than any other job. There's just darkness and depression that weighed on them every day. You have chefs that head chefs that just don't show up for their shift. Um, and they, uh, uh, they, um, went to check on this one head chef. Um, supposedly this one isn't completely verified. Um, but they went to check on him two days later and they said they found his door unlocked and he was lying on his kitchen floor with his wrist slit open. So is it really the hotel? Is it the bankruptcy? Is it the bad luck that has all that pain and anguish? Um, all the people that have lost their money, you know, we don't know. It's just a complete uh, feeling of uh, of energy. Some people even attribute it to the peyote tribe um, that had uh, occupied that land uh, in the past. So, you know, uh, a lot of times people just call it the, from the tribe, the land of death. And if someone called that to a place that I might be thinking about spending my vacation, you better believe that I'm going to have second thought. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's funny that you talk about the energy in that place because you know, different and, and coming back to the energy in different places. I mean, the, the chaotic energy in the Luxor makes perfect sense. I know exactly what you're talking about. You come in the front door and it's just 
it's almost like overstimulation and it's so open that the noise just carries and it just it's all over the place. And and speaking about the Cromwell, the energy in there, it's just no matter what time of the day it is. And I get it. You know, Vegas casinos, none of them have windows or, or anything like that. So you can't see outside. But no matter what time of the day you walk into the Cromwell and that casino, it's just dark. You know, everything is right. it's it's black and it's red. It's like walking into the Adams family house yeah. and and just the the decor. It's that. So I, I completely understand the 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 dark energy and how the it just kind of it just kind of sucks the energy right out of you. Right. Right. And, you know, you think that someone would have remarked on that and that, you know, they might have thought, OK, yeah, we're trying to make people think it's, you know, nighttime all the time, like Alaska, where you have six months of partying or, you know, where you're going to have fun, you know, whatever it is. But it just it it's almost like instead of contrasting it, it just feeds into the dark energy that's already there. And, you know, someone maybe want to maybe want to get them a, a different interior designer because <laughs> it's not helping the guests that stay there or people who might want to stay there. And then one other spot I do want to talk about as well. And I honestly I'm, I mean, I until I kind of started doing some reading and some research on this, I it didn't even click to me that it was a, a haunted spot in Vegas. And I've walked past it a million times, particularly when I'm on my way for my uh, seven ninety nine steak and eggs at uh, at Ellis Island, uh, right. Flamingo and Coval. Oh yeah, which is a, a very famous spot of a very famous shooting and and murder essentially. Oh yeah, well I mean anyone if people don't know the exact corner, you know of uh, of Flamingo and Coval, they know what happened in Vegas and they know what happened or supposedly happened to Tupac there. And, you know, some people say, okay, it's just the, the legend um, that, that makes it so, uh, you know, so supposedly haunted, but actually, you know, we did, uh, we did um, uh, a top 10 of what are the, the most, uh, what are the most haunted places in, uh, in Vegas? And, you know, you wouldn't think that this is one of the top ones because people don't report seeing, okay, all kinds of hauntings or, you know, car crashes or that kind of stuff. But because of the conspiracy theories, um, people actually say they, they, that there's sightings of Tupac more often than any other uh, place or any other in, in Vegas and maybe in other places that we've seen as far as the celebrity goes. And um, people will literally say they see him with uh, with his bandana on standing there by uh, by his car at the corner. Some people report to hear gunshots. So, you know, it's a different kind of haunting as far as like it's not like a hotel that burned down or it's not a place where people are jumping to their deaths. But you have this iconic uh, person, this iconic musician who uh, has so many fans, so many followers, many of many who still believe he's alive. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's kind of like at Elvis, there's this limbo. And whenever you have limbo, to me, that's almost an invitation of, of for, I mean, un, limbo and uncertainty, that's an invitation for people to start seeing things, whether they're real or not. I, I've had so many guests and, and even guides say that they've seen, they've seen him. I personally believe that it, it is haunted, but it's not the same as the other places. However, it's right up there in the top 10 list. People actually search that uh, location um, as far as hauntings more than any other location in Vegas, if you look at Google searches. Well, and and again, as you say, it's not a, a high profile location. You know, it's not Bally's. It's not the Flamingo. It's not Luxor. It's it's kind of a, 
a, a random street corner yeah. off the Vegas strip. That's not really on anybody's radar, except maybe perhaps the, the hardcore Tupac Shakur fans. Yeah. 100%, you know, and maybe it's, you know, like the, the way it happened. I mean, in any death like that, it's going to be uh, unexpected, unexpected, obviously, but I mean, he's there for a birthday party, you know, and he's going to a boxing match and he's just in the car and, you know, just, uh, whatever actually happened, you know, whatever the police report says, you know, he shot twice in the chest, once in his thigh and another one in his arm. People say he was, it was taken to the university medical center in Southern Nevada, but many people say, Oh, his body actually disappeared before then. But it was such a, uh, how do you, how do you put it? Such a, a simple thing that he was doing. It's not like he was there starting a gang war or at least not that we know of. It's not like he started shooting at someone. He's literally just coming from a birthday party. And I think it was the uh, sudden, uh, the sudden death, if you will, of him, like that no one expected that just made people, one, feel for it. But number two, all these conspiracy theories, of course, start popping up and they don't go away. You know, some conspiracy theories die after a while. This is not one of them. That is so cool. I love it. Are there any other uh, any other spots that you want to hit on? Well, uh, well, I've got you here. Any other creepy, spooky spots that maybe we we haven't hit on or do you want to do you want to save it for the tours? No, you know what? I will I will save everything else for the tour except for one because this is one of my favorite ones because I feel um like you know uh, either one people don't know as much about it and number two is that it's it's really it's just that creepy if you once you get the picture in your head and the place I'm talking about is the link and I don't know if you've ever stayed there um or you ever uh, were able to 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 do any research on that in the past um, but, uh, do you know anything about the link before I get into it? I've never stayed there. I've been through it numerous times. I know that, uh, you know, it was the, uh, the Imperial palace uh, yep. way back in the day and then it became the quad and then the link. Uh, I, I cried heavily when they closed the auto collection because that was one of my favorite things to visit in Vegas. Oh, yeah. There was so much cool stuff to see there. Um, but I, I'm not familiar with its, uh, its supernatural history at all. Then that's the thing is that they try to cover it up. Um, Vegas, uh, the tourism board, and even, of course, the owners. And, and of course, yeah, you have that showroom, you have the parking garages, which, which at that time had the world's largest classic car collection, um, as you know. And this was all the brainchild of the vision of, of uh, Ralph Engelstead, who was the new owner at that time, who was a businessman and uh, a philanthropist. And he was independent. So he was able to do kind of what he wanted. And when it was a Imperial Palace at that time, that's when he did the, the car show and he had all the pools and nightclubs, fitness centers, you know, all that. Um, he wanted it to be the world's largest private hotel. And, and when he died in 2002, it was actually the second largest private hotel in the world. And then since then, it's, you know, it's changed ownership and uh, the, um, uh, it's now known as Link Hotel and Casino. But while he was there, some weird stuff happened. And, you know, they, they call him kind of eccentric, um, entrepreneurial, but eccentric and enigmatic because he had all these ideas. You know, um, some people would say if he gave you his word, that was his bond. He was a genius as far as business goes, an industry pioneer. Um, you know, uh, he, he did all these things. But on the complete opposite side, you have these dark secrets and people don't know if it was just almost like a, 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 what do you say, a hobby for him? And he wasn't really into this stuff, but he was actually supposedly a huge Nazi sympathizer. Oh, and, really? Wow. Yeah. 
crazy. And and what he had was he had this uh, so-called war room, which and this is verified. We actually had a collection of World War Two Nazi memorabilia. And at the centerpiece, he had a, a giant portrait of himself painted just like Adolf Hitler, Adolf Hitler. So he has this room. It's almost like a shrine to himself and Hitler. And even worse than that. And, and, you know, he's going to and later on, we'll talk about how he says it, it wasn't how people portrayed it in 1986 and 1988. He actually had uh, parties uh, to celebrate Hitler's birthday, um, April 20th, with uh, fellow Nazi sympathizers. They had T-shirts the bartenders had to wear reading Adolf Hitler, European tour, 1939 to 45. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> yeah, I'm not making this up. It, he actually made employees go to this um, because, you know, he thought it was going to boost morale. Somehow in his t- twisted mind, he thought that. So these these Fuhrer bashes, as they were called, they had a cake that employees um, and uh, one of them, the cakes was super huge. It had Hitler's name on it. Um, they had German ballads playing and people were afraid to say anything because they didn't want to lose their job. One of these employees was actually um, a Jewish employee. Uh, we don't know his name, but he refused to cut the cake. I mean, he's thinking this is a huge insult. So he left and the employee actually ended up uh, getting fired um, because Ralph thought, OK, he's actually, you know, going against employee morale and doing this for the employees for whatever reason. So um, corporate leaders and uh, other people try to keep it secret. Some people find, found out about it. So the Nevada Gaming Board fined him uh, $1.5 million for supposedly soiling the reputation of Vegas gaming industry. And that, that was like pocket change for him. So it was like a uh, slap on the wrist. So even though we didn't hear any more of these Nazi-themed parties, then happened some of the paranormal or weird uh, activity one thing that he tried to do supposedly is that Ralph Engelstead tried to write the uh, to the architect of the Hitler's triumphal arch um, in Ber- uh, that he wanted to uh, that he wanted to erect in Berlin, um, and uh, it was Albert Speer, and he wrote to Mrs. Speer, the widow, trying to get her to sell him his plans because he wanted to build his own Hitler arch at the hotel. Jesus, and, yeah, and it just keeps going and going. And the weirdest thing was. If you know anything about Hitler, you know that he was a huge fan of the occult. So, you know, he's, uh, you know, whether you watch, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, Captain America and Hydra or the actual history where he really was into the occult. Um, people also say Engelstead was, too, because Hitler was his idol. So a former manager of the Imperial Palace in the 1980s, again, wanted to remain anonymous. He uh, was uh, making his rounds and he heard soft chanting and drums beating um, from behind the door of the war room. So he goes to the door, he listens for a minute, and he opens the door, and they it got really loud, of course, and he saw a group of seven men uh, gathered in a circle, all wearing cloaks and, and, and wearing masks. And in the, in the center of them, supposedly, was an altar of a Nazi uniform and a hat. And they were all chanting, uh, not German, it was like a different language, like maybe something from a call, maybe an ancient language. And the manager says, he, and he swears on, 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 on everything, that he saw the uniform start to move and slowly rise into the air as if an invisible body had filled the clothing. And of course, at, at that moment, he freaks out, runs away down the hall, and he quits the next day. And when some occultist researchers heard what he described after, you know, finding him and interviewing him, they said it was really, really similar to a seance ritual. 
um, in which a group, you know, gathers to communicate with the dead. However, it they didn't just think with the uniform in there, it wasn't just a seance, but it almost seemed like they were actually trying to resurrect someone, most likely Hitler, and Engelstead's fascination with Third Reich and that Hitler had been interested in the cult makes people think they really wanted to try to raise Hitler from the dead and, and usher in a whole new era of Nazi supremacy. So I love this story, even though it creeps the heck out of me. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that. And I just think that is one of the coolest stories where people find out something about not just the location, but someone who was there and some really crazy stuff that happened behind closed doors, because who knows how much, how much of this stuff happened that didn't get out. Luckily, Someone was able to tell the story, you, you know, whether it's 100% true or not. And I mean, I, I just eat it up. That's just amazing. That's a, an, an incredible story. That's wow. I, <laughs> I'm blown away by that. Just absolutely blown away by that. Yeah. You know, again, you mentioned we'll save the rest of it for the tours because I think this is this has definitely made me want to you know i got a trip coming up in december um you know my wife and i are always looking for different things to do when we do our trips to vegas this is this has landed squarely in my my radar in a big bad way so i think we'll be looking at this as a a lovely little pre-christmas uh event for us <laughs> yeah yeah definitely i mean people they, they do a lot of walking during the day too also but it's it's we try to keep it like very you know like i said a historical informative education creepy, spooky, hauntings, all that kind of stuff, some lesser known facts that a lot of people don't know. Um, but also try not to make it like, you know, a three hour long walk. It's a nice tour and we try to hit more locations than, than a lot of tours, but it's a nice, nice tour in a nice small area to some big iconic places. And then you find out a lot of stuff that, that you didn't know. So I think it's, it's a unique and memorable, memorable experience for most people. If people want to get uh, info on tickets and, and information and, and you guys have a, a blog as well that uh, chronicles some really interesting stuff, uh, you guys are online, you're on social media, you're all over the place, right? Uh, 100%. The, the easiest way to find out information about the, the tour um, about tour details. We have a tour preview. Um, and of course, we have our, our blog that uh, we just finished, uh, not just a top 10 article, but a series uh, that actually delved even more into um, uh, each one of those locations um, and, and got a lot of uh, history and background on that um, uh, is uh, VegasGhosts.com. And you go there and it gives you all the information. You can book straight through the website. It also has a link to uh, Facebook and, and YouTube. And uh, Facebook is really simple. It's facebook.com slash uh, Vegas Ghost. And you can see uh, not just all our, 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 you know, how many followers we have over there, but we post our, uh, the links to the blogs on there. But we also share stuff from other um, other uh, places that are into ghost stories. Um, we uh, place links about certain things that we hear about. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's just, of course, some good old fashioned fun about paranormal investigations and and uh, would you ever uh, visit a haunted house or where would you haunt if you were a ghost? You know, just a lot of fun stuff. But specifically for the tours, VegasGhost.com, um, it has all the information there. Uh, you can also get our contact information on there and join our newsletter, contact at VegasGhost.com. I'm always here to reply to any email questions, whether it's about the tour or whether it's, uh, you know, like you, Jeff, and you have questions about some of these locations without trying to spoil it too much, of course. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions. And we get a lot of pictures also um, from people who think they've caught stuff on uh, on their camera or even stories of 
of them, you know, feeling like they've been haunted or, or experienced the supernatural on there. And that's a, a, another way to actually get those pictures to us so we can put it on our Facebook, that kind of stuff. But I just want to you know, say one more thing that, that the, what I think, and I know I told you this before, what sets our tours apart is that we have some of the best guides in the country who really put a lot of time and effort into learning the stories, learning the history, um, practicing it, presenting it, spending their time sometimes, you know, after a full-time job during the day, going out at night and hanging out with locals and tourists and giving them all this information that maybe some of it they know, a lot of it they don't, and having a really good time um, on, on these tours and even getting interactive with the EMF detectors and that kind of stuff. But we really try to focus on research, history, authenticity, mystery, and of course, some really good old-fashioned ghost stories and ghost hauntings. If you're after more information about Las Vegas ghost tours and want to book yourself on an upcoming tour, you can visit their website at vegasghosts.com. You can also follow U.S. Ghost Adventures on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'll pop the links to their social media and other links as well into the show notes at jeffdoesvegas.com. And that wraps up another episode of Jeff Does Vegas. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show, or any other episode for that matter, or you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas. Or drop me an email directly at Jeff at JeffDoesVegas.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit JeffDoesVegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been Jeff Does Vegas, a Walker New Media production. Jeff Does Vegas.